Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host this is episode 125 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen building legacies and building a culture of success not only in sports but in life and in business, it's oftentimes having the ability to stand out from the crowd. And Richard Hall continues to focus on those attributes currently as the Director of Professional and Career Development for Clemson Football, helping lead the Paul Journey Program, which stands for Passionate About Winning, where their ultimate mission is to cultivate leadership and sustaining a lifestyle of winning. Richard would come to Clemson in 2008 as a heralded defensive safety from St. Augustine, Florida, and would graduate from Clemson as one of the top safeties in the nation, earning All-American, All-ACC, and Academic All-ACC honors during his playing career. After time with the St. Louis Rams as an undrafted free agent, he would spend time in the business world before coming back to Clemson as an academic advisor and ultimately with the Paul Journey. Here's episode 125 with Rashard Hall. Rashard, thank you, brother. Nah, oh, blessing to be it. with you, Rich. Man, are you kidding Indeed. me? I know it's taking a little bit of time, but thank you, man. Nah. I greatly appreciate it and inviting me into your office over over here at the Allen Reeves Football Facility. I love your office. The only thing, though. It's pretty close to the dining hall right here with all the food, man. How are you right. staying in such good shape? <laughs> man, just limiting my intake, man. We are having a full staff meal for guys who are probably three times my size. So just intake. Just That's right. You get easy access to food, man, yeah, all the time. Indeed. you got to be disciplined. Disciplined, indeed. Have you always been disciplined in your life? I've been disciplined. I think it goes kind of back to my parents just kind of instilling into me certain values and things that, hey, you're not going to be perfect. We don't expect you to be perfect. But, hey, if you want to get to where you're going in life, if you want to share these kind of dreams and ambitions with me, then, hey, let me guide you, son, and tell you the pitfalls to stay away from and the things you need to be disciplined in to really bring those dreams and goals to fruition. So I give credit to kind of my parents and my upbringing on that one. So, yeah. How much did you listen to them and how much also, though, you had to learn the hard way? Mm. So I listened to them, but I definitely took my <laughs> bumps along the head, along that process. But what really helped me is having friends, you know, and especially as you're talking about being a high level high school athlete, seeing guys who were better than me. 
not get to even have the opportunity to fulfill a dream like the NFL because of not being disciplined, because of maybe grades, because of maybe trouble. So that was a vivid picture to kind of what my parents were telling me. So, yeah, I took my bumps and bruises along the way. But for the most part, I kind of took heed to wise counsel. Yeah. And also, just like you mentioned, seeing how some individuals were able to have success or maybe not success based on their actions. And I know that's important as well. What about sports? What's your earliest memories of you growing up and getting into sports? Man, really just being a basketball fanatic growing up. There I'm we go. About, That's what I'm talking about. That's yeah, my sport. <laughs> indeed. B-ball, man. My dad was a, a legend in my city. He was a high school basketball coach for 30 plus years. Um, he played at um, FAMU in Tallahassee and he was a good player and had his little stint in the NBA. So my dad was that guy in our city, a great mentor, a great coach. So my earliest fond memories was really growing up, loving basketball, it being my number one sport and then trying this sport called football and <laughs> fell in love with it, like literally fell in love with it. Just I, immediately? Yes. I remember being seven years old. That was the uh oldest you had to be or i'm sorry you had to be at least seven years old to play football and i got out there i remember my cousin jarvis he was eight going out there so i'm just tagging along seeing if it's another sport i like out there but just remember falling in love with it i remember playing defense a tackle my first year and just (laughs) out there not knowing what i'm doing but having a great time being with uh friends and family and just playing a passionate game that just brought a different kind of bond in a way can't even explain it. As yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean by a different bond? Man, that bond. So you can have bond. I have bonds with my cousins, I have bonds with my sisters, and that's a love bond. And that doesn't go anywhere. But you do have those different kind of bonds that sports bring about because it's just something about sweating and literally bleeding and going through ups and downs and the woes of a season with teammates that really brings a bond that's kind of unbreakable and sustainable. Because I know college, man, most of all my groomsmen in college were guys who I played with at Clemson and then still some hometown friends. So you always had it's the ultimate connector, I feel, with sports, because, again, to your point, lifelong type of relationships can be fostered through sports. When, though, did it become part of your mindset that? I love football. Mm-hmm. Now I want to have this dream of playing in the NFL. Well, once I fell in love with football, that was the epitome. That's what I saw. I was a Jaguars fan. I could remember, never forget uh, Jacksonville game, the NFL team, the Jacksonville Jaguars in 1995. And so that was my, a big deal. Yeah, it really was. Um, and my family just all, we all rooting for the Jaguars. And, hey, I want to play professional one day. I want my family to be in the stands while I'm playing professional football. And it became a lifelong dream. So um, that was the epitome. Once I fell in love, hey, that's the highest you can go. And, and then you see, hey, you can actually make millions of dollars still playing this game that you started off playing in the backyard. So, of course, that's every kid's dream. And you have your players that you kind of idolize as a kid. So. That for me was just the beginning. Who did you idolize? Um, For a lot of it, it was the Randy Mosses. It it was the Ed Reeds. It was the Brian Dawkins. You know, those kind of players, the Jamal Andersons for uh, the Falcons (laughs) and doing the Dirty Bird (laughs) and all that, those kind of dances. But those kind of players who were kind of passionate 
um, really played with a passion and played with an edge. So I really like those kind of players. Do you have a college team growing up from Florida? Yeah, your yeah, team? yeah. Uh, growing up, I was a Florida State fan. I was a Florida State fan growing up. Uh, my god brother, Devin, he was a big Florida State fan. And, man, we kind of just turned that into our team. But, man. Well, that was the I, heyday of Florida State. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Florida State, Miami, Florida. But, man, that was a pleasure for me, like, just coming into college because I had so many offers, but no big Florida schools offered me. So I loved playing the Florida States and the Miamis and always wanted to play Florida and had some of my best games against those uh, teams. So, so you had some extra motivation when you played Florida State. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> definitely was. So that was a rival in itself for me. Why Clemson then? Oh, man. Clemson, it honestly did start off with Coach Sweeney. Like, Coach Sweeney was my recruiter. He wasn't the head coach. He was a wide receivers coach. He was a passionate guy. And I came in under Tommy Bowden's last class, and Coach Sweeney was my recruiter. So he was recruiting me hard out of St. Augustine, Florida. I think he took like eight of us out of St. John's in Duval County. Um, but, man, him just being the recruiter he was, but really him introducing me to a place that really was familiar and felt so much like home. And I really couldn't understand why the people was just so genuinely nice. And it didn't come off as fake. It came off as real. And then Clemson had the opportunity for me to play early. And then I was always an academic guy. Like if I was going to make a million dollars on or off the field, I was going to try to get to it. So, <laughs> uh, man, I graduated high school with a 3.5. So even if sports didn't work out for me, I was going to college to kind of make a future for myself. So it was just the perfect dynamic of education and opportunity. In high school, you played both ways, though. Yes. Offense, defense. So you come to Clemson. Was there ever any aspects that you might play on offense or was it all just recruiting you for defense when i when i chose clemson i knew it was all i was coming to be a safety i was coming why to, is that i because i knew i had other offers i had mississippi state i had south carolina down the road offering me as a wide receiver but i had certain schools who recruited me just as a defensive back as a safety so clemson was one of those i knew i would be all in and that's funny coach sweeney's <laughs> been using that forever people think <laughs> yes. oh he came up that he's head coach he has his new lingo Man, he's been using that literally forever. So I was all in with the Tigers, and I was all in to kind of come play safety here and to kind of just be that. Uh, well, which one do you like better? Do you like defense better than offense? And that's why I chose it, man. I, it's just, I loved having the ball in my hand as an offensive player, but it was something about being a quarterback of that defense and just being able to hit hard and still go get the ball just like a receiver and um, kind of make some uh, turnovers. So what is that like to be able to – make that transformation. I mean, you're a nice guy, you know, I appreciate that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you're enjoyable to be around. I appreciate that. But when you get on the field, all of a sudden to play defense, you got to change your mindset, right? Yeah. How do you do that? It, it's, it's all about being a professional, right? And describe um, that. Man, Coach Steele always told me that was my defense coordinator when I was here. I had the pleasure of having Brent Venables my last year, but when I was on field day one as a freshman, coach still always talked about being a pro before you're a professional. And as I grew and kind of learned what that meant, it really meant, hey, knowing when to clock in. Yeah, you have life. Football's not everything. But when you're on that field, just like Coach Sweeney spray paints on our sidelines before we hit the practice fields, football focus. 
So, yes, you're a student athlete. You're here to get an education. Hey, you're here to grow into a great man, husband, father one day. Right. But when you walk between those lines, man, it's football focus. And that was just part of being a professional, being able to really put those blinders on and focus on your job. And that's the kind of stuff that carries on to life. And now it's just transferring intangibles from the field into the workplace. So it's just, man, Clemson did a great job of grooming us to be professionals in every aspect. Yeah, it's built you up as a man and not just a football player. Oh, and I think that's what obviously makes it unique and not saying that other schools don't provide that opportunity. But it seems like Clemson is really and Coach Sweeney is really focused on that as the foundation rather than national championships, that's not the foundation. It's the other way around. It seems like the winning is just a byproduct of the foundation that he's trying to build here and that you've been a part of. And so how has that been carrying over for you into what you're doing now? Oh man, it's been a blessing. I couldn't work for a better president, a better athletic director, a better head coach than Dabo Sweeney. Someone who says, hey man, we're out to serve our players' hearts and not their talents. Like working and bringing that to life each and every day. So I have the pleasure to be director of career development for Paul Journey for Clemson football. And to be able to have a coach who backs everything that you want to do to really put those words to the forefront and prepare them to be that future husband, father, man to prepare them for the workplace, to prepare them for life skills that they're going to use for the rest of their life, not for a four-year window or a three-and-a-half-year NFL stretch, but literally carries over their life. So it's been a blessing to come in and work with Paul Journey, work with our scholar-athletes, and molding them just into that. So I couldn't ask for a better work environment and conducive environment. And I've heard you say the word scholar-athlete. Mm. Most of the time we hear student athlete. Right. Why do you call it scholar athlete? Man, because they're 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 going to be students. You're not going to be a student your whole life, but you'll be a scholar for the rest of your life. And I like to call them scholar athlete because it's just much more than just being a student. You're going to forever be learning and observing and hopefully transferring that information to other students of yours, so to speak, being in a mentorship capacity. But scholar athletes is a term I love to use just to differentiate. One of my biggest and one of my favorite quotes is, hey, you got to be different to make a difference. And then that's just a little bit of that differentiating factor. And then some other stuff goes behind that scholar athlete (laughs) versus student athlete (laughs) piece. But that's the main reason I call them scholar athletes. Now, going back to the field, what was it like in terms of transition from high school, now mm-hmm. major division one? Was there a big transition for you? Of having, I know you redshirted, but right. in terms of learning uh, not only the system, but seeing that there's a lot of other talented guys that you're playing against now. Indeed. <laughs> Man, Transitioning from high school football to collegiate football, it was a transition, but it was one that I got to see early. And red shirting really did help me. So uh, out there to anybody who has the red shirt, man, embrace it. It's a great thing um, if it's for you. Did you embrace it at the time? I did. I remember something Coach Bowden said that I'll never forget. And he says, hey, you may not play on your time, but you'll surely play on God's time. And that's going to be the perfect timing. And I really took that to heart. And I was trying to be an All-American scout team player my (laughs) freshman year. So I was out there really grinding with that mindset and knowing that I'll have my opportunity. But right now it's a real preparation season for me. So 
I would say my red shirt helped me with that transition, but really seeing the talent level, seeing that I had ability and being able to harness in on my weaknesses and my strengths, I was able to say, okay, I'm not going to be the fastest player out here, but if I'm the smartest player, then I can play faster than the fastest player. So just starting the transition, even mindset wise, before you actually had to do it literally on the field, helped me a bunch and helped me to become a All-American. Yeah. yeah. Was there a moment that you felt that, okay, I've got it. I, I can make it here. I can be this All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there some specific moment that happened? I remember my very first game. We played Middle Tennessee as opener 2009, and I'm starting as a freshman, a redshirt freshman, and I'm in the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of obviously is 83,000 plus even on bad seasons <laughs> like our fans are the best in the world but I literally went out and had 10 tackles as a freshman my first game and had a few PBUs and I really just remember someone sending me something that had Coach Sweeney talking about me during his press conference and just saying I had a good game it wasn't nothing big but it was big for me just knowing where I came from, knowing how far I came and just being at the epitome of where I wanted to be. And now the head coach is kind of mentioning my name along some greats like C.J. Spillers in the same breath of a conversation saying who had a great game. And that for me, it kind of clicked like, OK, yeah, you're here. I, I'm here. I can do you're it. Here. You can do it. So uh, so that was really motivating for me. How nervous were you? I'm going to run down the hill for the first time in front of the crowd. <laughs> that was new to me. I didn't know that happened in college football like Clemson. So that was just new. I was excited about it. I kind of tested the waters on my first time coming down. I see guys run down and try to jump. And they do the jump. That wasn't my first time. I promise you I didn't do that my first time out. But, man, it was just amazing to be in front of 83,000 and coming down with the greatest entrance in college football that you've heard about and seen on TV. So. It, it was awesome. How much did you even know about Clemson before Coach Sweeney started recruiting you? To be honest, that's a, I'm glad you asked that question because I didn't know Clemson even existed as a city, as a team, and until C.J. Spiller. So C.J. Spiller came to Clemson. He's from right down the street in Lake Butler, probably an hour and a half from where I grew up. And he actually came and ran a track meet at my um, hometown, St. Augustine, Florida, at our high school. And he's going to Clemson, he's going to Clemson. And I started to look up and look into the school a lot more. And um, that was my first introduction to Clemson because of C.J. Spiller. Well, and that was a big deal when C.J. signed with Clemson. And it's interesting that you say that because I graduated Clemson in 1993. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have this perspective, well, everybody knows Clemson. Right. <laughs> you know, but that's just not the case. Now, maybe it's changed now that right. we're in the situation we are oh, yeah. in terms of the national <laughs> exposure, sure. yeah, the spotlight. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, you didn't have a real familiarity of right. Clemson, you know, at the time. So now it's time you're playing your last game. Mm. LSU in in the bowl game, right? Nice. What a way like it was yesterday. Yeah. Walk me through why that still just is burnt in your memory obviously the win but i know it's much more it was my last time out there with my brothers like i gained best friends while i was here like a jonathan meeks you know we're playing our last college football game before we're going to make our professional dreams come true and just really wanting to leave it all on the line 
And then after winning the ACC for the first time in 20 years and then ending with a bad showing against West Virginia. So now it's your senior year and you're ending it with the LSU and it's top 15 teams playing each other. And it's it's a chance to put Clemson really on the map, especially with SEC teams. And I just really remember that game vividly just being a really physical game, downhill mindset game. Me and Jonathan used to just have some some talks we say hey this is a downhill game what do you mean downhill yeah these are big running backs this is a big physical team so we're gonna have to be downhill all night long that's how we kind of used to say it um so we got in that mindset but i just remember that game and towards the end of the game that last drive i remember they were cleaning up and both teams were we knew it was the last drive of the game so you're cleaning up everything's getting put up a little bit i just remember keeping my chair and literally just being the only one sitting on the sideline in a chair to watch the finale of the game i wasn't to be honest up on the sidelines i was just kind of really taking it all in our defense had just stopped them made them do three uh passes at the end of the game for a big running team that was like okay they respect us and just really sitting there to watch how it was going to unfold after kind of doing my job or our job per se and just watching it dwindle down, man. And it was the most one of the, one of the most rewarding things. And are you career. able to see the field? Oh, yeah, you? I'm able to see the field, but I'm able to see the jumbotron and I'm tracking the game. So it, it was uh, it, it was just it was the perfect way to end it for me. Just kind of just sitting back, enjoying it, not feeling the best because I literally just gave everything I had onto the field, but just sitting there and just watching it unfold. I'm like, oh, all right, God, just see how how you're going to end this for us. And it ended in a, a crazy, a crazy great way. So it was Would awesome. you have been able to get back out on the field if, you talked about you were spent. <laughs> if you had to play defense one more time, would you have anything Thanks left? Indeed. Uh, we would have we found out. <laughs> no, but, man, that mentality, we had that game. It didn't matter if we had four more drives. It's just something about, hey, this is the last one. Then anything that's needed was going to be produced on that field. So, now, good opportunity. When it was fourth and 16, mm. did you still believe? I still believed. I, and, I'm, and I'm that way. I'm really that fan I'm that Jaguar fan I'm that Clemson fan even though it hasn't happened in a long time but we can be down three touchdowns and it's 10 minutes to go in the game and I think we can still win this game I remember coming in at halftime West Virginia Orange Bowl and I think we're down three touchdowns or 20 points and really just letting it go in the locker room like hey man we still got this <laughs> let it not didn't turn out that way <laughs> But that's kind of always been my mindset. But that's mindset. life, though, too. Sometimes it doesn't happen. What did you learn from that West Virginia game about mm-hmm. yourself and about the team at that time? From that West Virginia game, I really just learned that, hey, every ounce of detail matters. And especially when you're talking about coming to the BCS level. So I think that year before really prepared us to really seal the deal in a large Peach Bowl game against LSU, two top teams in the country. But so that learning experience from that previous year, having some success, winning ACC for the first time in 20 years, like I said, but having a huge letdown in a bowl game, it really does something to you to make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen again. And like you say, it's so relatable to life, man. It just happens like that. You you can make some mistakes in life, but the thing is, hey, do you get better and learn from it? And then your next opportunity, how do you react? How do you respond? So it was beneficial. What about then your dream of the NFL? Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you having to sit there through draft days 
and your name doesn't get called. Oh, knowing man. that that's your dream. And I think it, it probably hit my family a little bit harder than even me. Like it, it, it hurt me a little bit, but I was so into that next step mindset, next play mindset. I'm just like, okay, I didn't get drafted agent. Uh, what mini camp do I have to try to still make this dream come true? You know, but man, it, it was hard just sitting there. And to be honest, just kind of watching players who you just know, like, I can't say, hey, I'm a thousand percent better than them, but I can say a thousand percent. These guys don't have a quarter of the stats that I have. <laughs> they don't have a quarter of the starts. So that was a little bit, you know, fleshly and jerk, uh, heart jerking. But at the end of the day, it was I was just blessed for the opportunity to still go make a dream come true, even after not getting drafted. So it hurt a little bit, hurt my family more. But it was so next play mindset. I was just ready to hey find a team to go try to earn a spot. So what was that like with the Rams then? So that was so I had an interesting process, you know, because after the draft or before the draft, week before the draft, two days before the draft, you have all kind of teams calling you. So I had probably seven different teams just calling me. Hey, we know you're going to be a late round guy. If you don't get drafted, please select us for free agency, you know, and that's kind of how that goes. Um, so. I'm expecting a lot of calls after I don't get drafted. I got seven teams that's begging me to select them in free agency, which was kind of new, but didn't get one call after the draft. And just being an all-conference player, being an All-American, doing a lot at Clemson on and off the field, I just felt like, hey, I would have had more opportunities. But I didn't. So it was just a, a time of patience, a time of really putting my faith to the test. That You can't say you have faith if you've never been tested, right? That'll so, test you, right? Man, but that's the great thing about Clemson and my preparation and mindset coming into college. So I had networked so much. I had did so many internships that, to be honest with you, I kept training. But I started to hit the East Coast from Miami down to D up to D.C. and really meeting with networks and really seeing what my opportunities lie in the midst of training still twice. Twice a day. So networking outside of opportunities in the NFL is what exactly. you're describing. So I wasn't getting any calls right away. My agent was still working hard for me, but I wasn't getting any calls right away. Workouts, they had grabbed their free agents and they were preparing for a camp and OTAs and mini camp. But um, so I just kept grinding. I just did what I knew to do, just keep grinding. So that was on and off the field. That's all I did in college, grind on and off the field. So that's what I did when my name didn't get called. But eventually, hey, my agent got a call from the Rams, you know, and I had the opportunity to go out there and earn a contract and had to compete against about three other safeties. But I was able to earn that contract. But the highlight of that story, I just love saying, hey, had a layover in Chicago O'Hara. And that's where I got my first big time job offer from Johnson and Johnson to going to medical sales, which you're familiar oh, with. Oh, yes. And you know that industry. Hey, two-year experience. You need two-year experience <laughs> before you come in. But man, That's I'm, what they all say. Exactly. <laughs> but until I prove that I'm the man for the job, hey, I don't have two years experience, but what I do is have four years worth of networking contacts and relationships with doctors in the territory that you're asking me to take over. So I got my first big-time job offer um, on the way to earn a NFL dream contract. So you can imagine how that went. Hey, yeah, love, were you thank torn? you so much. <laughs> no, not torn at all, to be honest with you. I'm going to make this NFL dream come true. And then um, if it doesn't, please, I would love to have the opportunity to come work for your company. And to be honest, 38 days later, that's exactly what happened. I had the pleasure to play in four uh, preseason games. I was able to sign an NFL contract. I was able to play for Jeff Fisher in a few games and 
Um, it's funny because me and Tavon Austin started to become great friends, and you know he was <laughs> yeah, West Virginia. Exactly. He was West Virginia that year. But um, it was just it was awesome just to make that dream come true, but to really see that hey, God had a plan and a platform for me, and it wasn't the NFL for the longevity of it, but He prepared me and let me use football as a tool to prepare me for life, and I couldn't be more grateful. How did you feel though, in terms of? you had this mindset, this NFL dream, and you were, you know, going to be quote unquote, maybe defined as an NFL player. Now mm. all of a sudden you're not. How did you work through that? Not being an NFL player? Um, it took a little bit of transition. Like I tell guys all the way, you can be as prepared as you can be like I was like, I literally grind on and off the field all through my college years. But Hey, when that NFL dream comes to an end or just let's say when football comes to an end, you can be a walk on guy who's been playing since you were seven. You know, you're not going to the pro, but still when football ends and you can't play anymore, it's still a transition. So I would say my transition still was challenging, but it wasn't as challenging because I didn't put my whole identity into football so kind of when it ended for me hey it was a little bit of a letdown it was a little bit of hey I want to get back out there in front of some teams and show them that I can be the player they need to see but it wasn't something that was going to make me keep chasing a dream when I had dreams still out there I had so many other dreams and ambitions and aspirations that I wasn't going to let that one dream hold me still for five years, you know, so. Again, not going to let it define you. It, yes, right. yes, indeed. So what are you telling guys in your role right now here in, in the Paul journey when they're coming in as the freshmen and they've got these big dreams, obviously as well, playing in the NFL? What's your message to them? My message is simple. It's Go attack that dream just like any other dream. Give it your all. Just don't make it your all. And just letting them know that, hey, everything that you're grinding towards, which now is championships and the opportunity to play at the next level, hey, those intangibles that you're producing from that nonstop grind isn't just for football. This is for life. And when I can really see them and help them understand that these intangibles will transfer into the workplace and make you even more valuable than some of the not CEOs, but some of the executive leaders who's making the big bucks, making more than some of these guys on practice squad, making more I, New York trip. Take them up there to New York. Let them sit with executive leaders. And yeah, you can hear from executive leader making two, three million dollars a year, literally, and then get a taste of that and see that you can be that guy and you have more intangibles than even that guy, because certain intangibles you can't you're, you're not you, they're gifts. You know, you you produce them through your nonstop grind, those late nights, those early mornings, that kind of grind, those intangibles to be able to persevere, to have that mindset. OK, next play. Everybody can't just do that naturally. But you've been refining that since you were seven and you didn't even really know it. So now that you do know it, I can help you recognize it and transfer it into a workplace and be the successful businessman and make all the money you want to be if that was your NFL motivation. So I just kind of tell them that they have the opportunity of the lifetime with the scholarship they have in hand, with a place like Clemson in hand and the opportunities at hand at Paul Journey, man, you are set regardless of if you go to the NFL or not. And in more cases, man, hey, getting into this workforce before uh, getting into this workforce sooner than later, it may turn out to be just what you wanted out of life. 
So why did you take this role with the Paul Journey and Jeff Davis? I took it because I knew I had so much to give and I knew this was kind of exactly where God had me to be for this uh, era of my life. Like I was writing a book on this stuff before I ever got the opportunity to actually come into a program and actually work with scholar athletes because because of my tenure and because of what I went through as a scholar athlete myself, I just felt like I had so much to give back to current athletes to learn how to use their scholarships and to be able to gain so many other resources and opportunities that were going to last them forever, not four years or not for seven years. You know, if you have a great NFL career, you're still done by 28, 29 years old. So let me kind of introduce you to some stuff that's going to last forever. So, man, taking this job was a no brainer. It was an opportunity that I was uh, I was glad to have. And like I said, I had been preparing for it without even knowing I was prepared. That's right. For it. <laughs> and, and I know, I mean, you're still grinding because it's a job as well. But Indeed. does it even feel like work at times? Man, it feels like you're just empowering. You're creating disciples of mindsets that's going to be able to help them throughout life. Like you, I probably said a life a million times in this <laughs> interview, but it's just so true. It is. They have so many opportunities and just uh, skills and values that they learn that's going to benefit them for longer than they can even look or even want to look right now into the future. But just me already knowing the end, begin with the end in mind, right? Me already kind of knowing the end and helping them kind of focus a little bit into that end while they're still in the present will help them take advantage and say yes to certain opportunities that before they may just, oh, no, I got football. Oh, no, uh, I'm going to go home for this break. But now it's, oh, okay, let me go up to New York. Okay, let me go across the world to a Bangkok or those kind of opportunities and locations. That'll change you, so... And that's why I think also when you can combine this type of uh, environment with the Paul journey and the intangibles that you talked about mm. that are being enhanced through sports, I mean, that's a great combination. And people, I don't think, give sports enough credit for enhancing some of those intangibles that you talked about, that you're learning. Hard work, perseverance, you know, get knocked down, you get back up right. because... You can attest to it as well, and I know I can, and a lot of people can as well, that that's life. Right. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. And our industry is getting a lot better at helping our scholar athletes realize that these are tools that are meant to last forever and not just to win a championship. Um, I just hear stories of in the 70s and 80s and even 90s, early 2000s. But now that we have programs like Clemson being the model programs of really showing you how to really develop your scholar athletes and make sure that they know that this isn't just for a national championship like this is for life so you need to make time to take advantage of other opportunities that's why I go back to Coach Sweeney and our AD Dan Radakovich and our president um, Jim Clements leadership like that that you says hey I want to serve my players hearts and not just their talents it makes our job so much easier to implement and give them resources that truly do mold and refine them in that way. And that's how you change or build a culture that's, with that type of With mindset. that kind of leadership, that's how you build a culture, man. Davos Sweeney was ready to probably be a head coach when he was recruiting <laughs> me as a wide receiver coach, man. But yeah, so he's that's just him. So blessed to be able to work for him and, and this organization. What about just words of wisdom that has meant a lot to you? 
What's something um, just that, in general or from coach or just from general, just something that you leaned on over the years that stays true in your heart. Um, really my favorite quote I kind of told you about be different to make a difference. When you think about the world changers or the industry changers, a Steve Job or Dr. Martin Luther King or just figures like that, they were different. They weren't they were they had courage and they were bold to stand out on what they believed in. And most of the time, what they believed in was the benefit and the greatness for humanity. So it wasn't even directly for them. It was for other people. So when you're different, you can really, truly make a difference in the world. So I kind of really that's kind of like one of my uh, life sayings. And I kind of really hold on to that and try to do that each and every day and in my work, but just in my life also and just harnessing on that of course well to be successful i think you have to have that type of mindset that don't be the sheep and just follow right? right i mean you need to be a little bit different at times and that's that's how life works and that's how you also have the opportunity of making a lot of connections and you've been doing that you've been networking like crazy <laughs> <laughs> but i can't thank you enough Rashard. oh thank man you this so is a pleasure bless you, love you man thank you thank you indeed Having your identity tied to one thing is very common in sports, and we see this not just in football, but all sports, because the sport you play often becomes who you are when you reach the highest levels. But as Richard knows, having that ability to view things with a much broader perspective will help you move forward from your playing days, and that's when you'll have the ability to truly make a difference because you will be different. Now that finishes episode 125 and more of our conversations can be found on your preferred podcasting platform. And you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening.